This is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. Hi, everyone here and around the world. And Fluffy decided to join me for a while tonight. And I am welcoming all of you tuning in from the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the Netherlands, Germany, Sweden, Ireland, South Africa, Mexico, and beyond. And since my May 3rd, 2023 Earth Files YouTube channel news updates, about eight bloodless, trackless cattle mutilations in the east central Texas counties of Madison, Brazos, and Robertson, there have been two more strange mutilations in Temple, Oklahoma. Temple is 300 miles northwest of Madisonville, Texas, and I will update in a few minutes. But first, in the far west, 2,000 miles, to St. John, Washington State, about 50 miles south of Spokane in the St. John region, recently there have been two bloodless, trackless bull mutilations in St. John and Ritzville. St. John is where the first bloodless, trackless bull mutilation was reported 11 days ago on Saturday, May 13, 2023, to ranchers Rod and Lance Mills. And then a second bull mutilation, just like theirs, followed a couple of days later in Ritzville, about 50 miles to the west of St. John. The town of St. John, Washington, is surrounded by square miles of pasture land. The Mills family runs about 500 head of cows, grows 5,000 acres of wheat, and produces their own hay. Only one week before their shocking May 13th discovery of their dead and mutilated healthy bull, Rod and Lance Mills had placed 30 of their healthy, strongest bulls in their pastures for spring breeding with the cows. And then on Friday night, May 12, 2023, a neighbor called to say an animal was down in the pasture. The next day on Saturday, May 13, 2023, Lance Mills found and photographed their dead, mutilated bull. The excision is small, clean, and bloodless, but we are blurring it here. At my Earth Files News website, tomorrow, May 25th of 2023, I will have placed the unblurred photographs from St. John and Ritzville for those of you who want to see original unblurred excisions, in this case where testicles were so neatly removed. When I talked with Lance Mills five days later on May 18th, he was still angry. Immediately we were irritated because we had just turned bulls out because right now is our breeding season. To find one dead was very strange. 30 bulls turned out for breeding, which is normal in the spring season, and one is dead after being out only about a week or so. Yep, that's right. Can you describe what you were seeing on the ground and in the animal as you approached for the first time? When we had walked up there, we could not tell what had happened not even any other animals have started eating on the dead bull. 
We thought that that was really weird. When we had got up there, everything looked normal on the bull, and we rolled him over, and you could see the testicles were cut clean off of the bull. Nothing else was touched. There was nothing, nothing other than the testicles were gone, and you could see it from plain sight that they were cut off with a knife. Because the excision was smooth? Yep, it was just clean cut. Nothing even tore it off, and the testicles were gone. They weren't even around the bull. Like, they cut it off and took it with them, and you could see it just looked like, you know, when you're castrating calves, when you're branding, you know, they bleed a little bit, but nothing excessive. That was about it. I had seen the bull alive, eating. He was just healthy as can be a few days before that. A healthy animal that ends up dead. And the comparison to Temple, Oklahoma, is the zebu was healthy, and they had heard what they thought might be bullets. But there was an examination done on the zebu. No bullets found but they learned that both of the large horns that came out of the top of the zebu's head were cracked off of the skull. And they wonder if that was what made the strange sound. Wow, yeah, which makes sense. So now we've got eight mutilations ranging from Madisonville, Texas region, the Zebu and a black and white Holstein in Temple, Oklahoma. Your bull has died certainly in an unusual way, being a healthy bull just put out for breeding. And here we are in 2023 May, and new bloodless, trackless, highly strange mutilations begin in Texas and then Oklahoma. And then I hear about your bull, and I just can't help but wonder if they are all part of the same phenomenon. Yeah. The only thing I can really say is this is nothing that you would ever see before. It's just a mystery to me, I guess, because exactly what you're explaining, no blood, no tracks, nothing other than testicles gone. And the testicles cut so precisely off. Yep, correct your local television stations have been doing straightforward reporting about this. And they have a quote from you that you said, it was just unbelievable that somebody would come and do that to the bull to cut his nuts off and leave him laying, close quote. Yep. And you've never seen anything like this before? Nope, never. Any possible reason that humans would have to do this? It's beyond me. I don't know why somebody would do it, and how they did it is the main question. Yeah, how did they even get to the bull without the bull charging at them? How could they have possibly brought that bull down if there's no bullet wounds? Yeah, it's almost like the bull was just standing there eating grass, and they went up and cut the testicles off, and the way they went. There's no other sign of the bull being killed anyway. And then the question is, how does the mutilator hold a 1,700-pound bull in place to cut off its testicles and then disappear without a sign of any kind of track around the dead bull's body. Right. 
Have there been any other unusual animal death reports in the last week or two in your area? The day after our newscast had went out on the air for the public to see, there was a person about 40 miles south of us from a town by the name of Ritzville, Washington, and they sent us a picture of one of their bulls and it, exactly the same thing. It was just strange because it wasn't even three or four days after we had reported ours. They had the exact same thing happen. So there have been mutilated animals about 50 miles apart in Washington state, different owners, different pastures, and yet both bulls were found in the same week with their entire testicles cleanly cut off. And then remember that young black and white Holstein female in Temple, Oklahoma, back on April 25th, that was first found without any blood or signs of any struggle or tracks on the ground around her. And Oklahoma MUFON State Director Mindy Topfest went to investigate and take photos. But her right eye, her tongue, and her lips were excised with a little bleeding and black char as if burned. And her rectal tissue had been bloodlessly removed in a five-inch deep hole. And then the next day, the mutilator came back and cleanly, bloodlessly excised the one-year-old Holstein heifer's udder in a neat bloodless circle. The Holstein owner posted in her May 16, 2023 Facebook that she is, quote, a retired nurse, and my hubby is retired army. I've seen animals killed by predators. I put pics on my Facebook and also put a YouTube of a cow being posted by a veterinarian. And the amount of blood spill when he walks around that cow, it splashes on his feet, not what we found, close quote. She asked me to simply call her Chris from Temple, Oklahoma. She begins by reading her Facebook entry on April 25th at 2.56 p.m. Central. I wrote, just found our beautiful Holstein Shepherd dead in the back pasture near Bale Hay. She had her eye removed, tongue removed, anus removed, no bite marks. The blood was still bubbling in that eye socket. And wouldn't that mean that you are coming upon her soon after she has been killed? Yes, because she was warm, but her legs are stiff as hell. It's really weird. Okay, did somebody shoot her, rolled her over, and there's no marks on her. She's perfectly clean and black and white, and, and her rectum was about five to six inches deep missing, and it was clean. No blood anywhere on the ground. Cows' hooves are sharp. They'll dig into the dirt and rough it up if they're fighting for their lives. And there was no mooing that we heard. And that's when I noticed there was a thing about Texas, suspicious cattle deaths reported in Texas, Madison County. And I was like, oh, my God, same thing. So that's when I called MUFON. MUFON came out, and they got samples of everything. It's MUFON that asked you to try to put out a camera for that night after she's already dead. Yeah. We did a trail camera out there. And the next day the 26th, we went out to get the trail camera SD card, and we could see the pictures. And I'm like, well, look at that weird fog. It looks like fog. It is not fog. What is it that would have formed 
like this on these photos that were in infrared frequencies. Maybe they came back because they didn't take the other, and they were checking out her body or something. I don't know. Yeah. Because with the next day, the other came out. And that would have been how many hours after your night discovery? Discovered her, and we had the camera on her that night, and that's when the fog came the next day. She still had the other. That afternoon, we decided we had to go into town to get a new SD card just in case we needed it. And we came back and went up checked on her, and her udder was missing, a perfect little circle. And I'm like, oh, my God, this stuff's happening in broad daylight. And this is a second round of an excision after the animal had been dead for several hours. Yes. And that udder was there when we left to go shopping. And then when we come home, the udder is gone. And I'm like, what the heck? And at this point, had the zebu showed up with concern around the dead Holstein? Yeah, he just spent a lot of time around her. The other cows did a quick run by, ooh, snip and go, and he stayed. I don't know why he stayed, but he did. Then he comes up missing a week later, dead. Were you seeing him every day up to his own death and mutilation? Yes. We bring him in so we can check on him and shut him in for the night. And he was coming in and doing fine. And I had seen him come in about 8.15 at night on Tuesday, May 2nd. And I'd seen him walk past the house. Dave was sitting in the living room, my husband, and he heard what he thought were gunshots, pop, pop. And that was about 8.15. He looked over to the east side, which is right out of my sewing room window, and that zebu was up with his four legs in the air. And I'm like, what the heck? I'm in the bedroom, not even 10 yards from where the cow was. No moves, no nothing. We rolled him over thinking somebody shot him. There was no bullet wounds on him, no bite marks, no scrapes, no nothing. His body is soft and warm, but when we rolled him over, his horn flopped. They were no longer attached to the skull. They were broken. They were broken completely off, both of them. Lupon, they think that's what he heard was the pop, pop. How the hell in daylight, close to a highway, close to people... Could that have happened? And Mindy Topfest MUFON, and I talked about that, I understand that they did some kind of a test. The horns, the way they were broken, the physics would work out that the zebu had been dropped from at least 300 feet high. Yes. How did they do that when I just seen him walk by? I mean, it wasn't 15 minutes. Do a last head count, and he was dead. They wanted some blood and samples, but I couldn't get any blood. I think we entoured him the very next day. I went down into the hole and opened him up from his rump to his chest. No blood came out of him. This was how many hours after you found him for the very first time? The next day on Wednesday, May 3rd, in the middle of the day, I climbed down in there and I cut him open with a blade and I even tried to stick the needle into his heart to get some blood. I got nothing but five cc's of some dark brown watery stuff. I don't know what it is. It was not blood. His organs were not wet and moist. He was dry. He had no blood in there. And into the heart, there wasn't any blood. 
I don't know where it was at, but it wasn't in the cow. What is the current status in the whole Temple, Oklahoma, and the Madisonville, Texas area in terms of any new reports of mutilations that we wouldn't know about because the FBI came in and locked down and said, we're now going to be in charge? That's another thing that's weird. Why would they care? There's some reason why they're not just letting it blow off. And it's been 44 years, going back to September of 1979, that I started investigating animal mutilations and trying to get to the bottom of the question that we have been posting tonight is what controls strange harvests from animal mutilations? And I thought I would start out by just casually in a strange way, showing you what's in my own books. This is Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 1. And there is a picture of a little gray. There is a picture of a silver disc at a horse farm where a one-month-old foal was found dead and mutilated. This is Missouri, and in Missouri, People watch from a road through binoculars as little gray beings floated a cow with a Bigfoot Sasquatch in the background with a lizard at the cone. And if you kept going through, another one even in Missouri, they had a Bigfoot character at the taking of the mutilation. And if you go say, here's Glimpses Volume 2. And it's a different kind of being in a blue leotard, humanoid. These were more unusual. This is more like a small being. And <clears throat> if you do Glimpses of Other Realities 1 and 2, here's 1 and 2. They have lots and lots of photographs and illustrations. It's the illustrations of the eyewitnesses that are so um, important is from my point of view that over 44 years, as I pose this question about what would control what it, the strange harvests from animal mutilations, in some ways it's been the, the base question that I have been trying to understand since September of 1979. And what I was giving you was just a fast, if you open up my books, Glimpses Volume 1, Glimpses Volume 2, An Alien Harvest, and if you go to the two documentaries that I have done, uh, this is A Strange Harvest, the first classic documentary at the CBS station in Denver, and then A Strange Harvest 1993 that I produced uh, about a decade later about the same subject, learning more. I realized in putting this program together that the answer to the question, it is not clear and it is uh, repetitive illustrations of things that fall into the category of small gray beings or maybe tall like a Sasquatch or some kind of lizard type creature has been drawn several times. 
But when you now jump to where are we today when it comes to what and where are animal mutilations and what more have we learned in these 44 years for me? It was so interesting that when I went to the indexes, I had the indexes for an alien harvest and I have the index that was used in uh, Glimpses Volume 1 and 2. And it goes into the lists of the subjects that I covered. Bloodless excisions right from the very beginning in 1979, knowing they had existed bloodlessly before. But then all of the different animal categories of which there were reports, photographs, and often there were some kind of veterinarian reports. Cats, chickens, cows, deer, dogs, ducks, goats, horses, pigs, rabbits, sheep. And I can add wild animal in reindeer, deer, elk, kangaroo in Australia, all of them, same bloodless excisions, like the testicles in Washington and the other excisions in Oklahoma and Texas. Well, when you jump up 10 years or so, I guess it would have been almost uh, 20, in 1998, when I was doing glimpses, just the index alone had changed in refinement beam technology that lifts and lowers weight, bloodless excisions, sudden disappearances, the harvesting of life essence by non-human entities, phantom helicopters, those that would appear and disappear right above people 20 feet above their head, wild animals mutilated, reindeer and elk and marmots and so forth, and U.S. government cover-up. It was so clear by then from when I started out in 1979 and thought I could call the Central Intelligence Agency office and ask to do an interview with a field analyst in Colorado about the, all the mutilated animals there, uh, thinking that as an American uh, journalist that uh, my government, the CIA, would uh, be happy to help me trying to understand this mystery. Instead, it's gone all the other way, 180 degrees without any question. Animal mutilations by extraterrestrial biological entities is a subject they don't want anybody to report. And I feel it's extremely important to deal with the news. And the issue of extraterrestrial biological entities as another one of those branches in the road Extraterrestrial biological entities is describing exactly that, a biological entity. But we know from so many evolutions of investigations now, me, 44 years, that as I started out, that most of what has been sketched and reported are like these little grays that lift and transport out this cow. I have talked to a cowboy who was on a ranch one day and saw uh, a being, a little one, rise up into the air and go right over a corral fence and told me about it. 
And it's the little ones. Well, what is happening today in 2023? The whole issue of artificial intelligence suddenly taking off so rapidly over the next 10, 20, 30 years that it is going to threaten jobs, it's going to threaten truth, everything can be made up, voices can be made up, everything can be made up. Well, when you come back into the extraterrestrial universe and you're looking at, well, I've even talked with a, a woman who worked with uh, the police department, the sheriff's department, and Adams State College in Colorado. And when they were doing a forensic investigation, uh, she had that ability to hold on things and see movies in her head. And I got a good reference to her. And I uh, had gone out to a horse in Colorado Springs that had a perfect rectangle right in the middle of its nose. Uh, it was uh, strangely strange, one of the strangest mutilations I've ever seen in terms of the preciseness of thin rectangles taken almost as if measured, uh, like you were looking at a xylophone along the penis and the testicles and other parts of the horse's body. And the owner made the uh, local news that the horse looked so fresh it should get up and walk away. But it was laying there. And when I got there, I believe it was the 23rd day. And I know, remember it was three weeks. And that horse still looked absolutely fresh. There was no odor, but with all these strange, strange excisions. And the rancher said that he'd had a friend bring over a black light because he had heard that mutilated animals would glow at night. And he said, we got glows. So I also uh, ended up getting somebody who could bring a, a different black light frequencies. And we waited till it was very dark and shone uh, on the horse and this perfect rectangle, about one and a quarter inches wide and about three inches long, right here between the horse's eyes on the nose. And I asked the rancher there and the man who had brought the black lights, I said, can we get some kind of a knife? Would you give me permission? that we could cut that out, and I'd like to get some investigation with this. What, why is this a perfect rectangle of the black light? One of the people that agreed to hold it in her hand was the woman who was working with Adams State College in Colorado and had worked with the police and sheriffs. And the first thing she said when she took a hold of that hide she, she had no, I didn't tell her anything, I, no front loading. The first thing she asked me was, was there a fire? Was there a fire there? I said, not to my knowledge. She said, I'm seeing almost blinding white light. There's a tremendous amount of light. And then she says, and there are something, they're small, they're three, maybe four feet tall, they seem to be maybe mechanical. I don't know if they're biological. I remember her saying that. She was confused. And she said, they're the ones who are taking the hide from the horse. Where does artificial intelligence stop and start with 
advanced extraterrestrial civilizations that are at least a thousand years in advance and beyond us. And where does AI stop and start when you come to animal mutilations and the general interaction of extraterrestrial intelligences with our planet? I would say after 44 years and everything that's in my books and my documentaries and what I'm learning every day of every week of every month to produce this Earth Files YouTube channel for you with the best knowledge that I can bear, bring to this, is that I think these questions, what controls the strange harvest from animal mutilation? we still may never yet have even had a glimpse of it. That all the illustrations through all the years seem to be quite often focused on what now I would say was in an artificial intelligence category. But we know that there are highly advanced biological intelligences such as the tall whites and the Nordics. They've been reported too long as well not to be real, even if they're not in our faces and in our world. So what is the reason for the worldwide mutilation of animals in all these categories that I gave you from the index for at least in the modern world since at least the early 1960s, probably for centuries, but we're aware in the 1960s. I have been doing a lot of thinking about that issue of what controls these cycles of harvest. And we now can say, I think without question, that the cycles of harvest are taking genetic material, always taking genetic material, as well as certain fluids, that seem to be associated with the certain aspects of the animals that are taken in terms of ear, eye, tongue, jaw, genitals, rectal, and sex organs. In my book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, there is a section that I call Light Beams, Discs, and Animal Deaths. And I wanted to share with you what I think is perhaps one of the more interesting stories in terms of people beginning to understand who have been studying animal mutilations, that the purpose could be far, far different than what they thought 40 and 50 years ago. And I am just compressing a very fascinating story that's in this chapter in Glimpses Volume 2 down to, it was October of 1972, so that would be seven years before I even started the first research at Ch uh, Channel 7, the CBS station on a strange harvest. I knew nothing about animal mutilations, but this is how sophisticated some people were that far back. October 1972, Mesa, Arizona, it was a resident named Ed Foley. He was outdoors, it was 11.30 p.m., just before midnight, he had stopped his car by the side of the road for just a minute, and suddenly he sees a round 
huge yellow gold luminous disc. It just seems to come from nowhere and pop in as we know these craft can do. Invisibility is one of their strongest suits. And he says, quote, Suddenly and without warning, a beam of soft white shadowless light like fluorescent light, and you will hear this from people in the abduction syndrome as well. It's a different kind of light. It flashed out of the rectangular opening in the upper cylinder of a machine. The light struck fully, paralyzed him, and he says, knocked me out of my physical body. In that astral body or altered state of consciousness, he could see inside this ship, and he also seemed to be receiving information telepathically about whoever was in that ship and what they were there for. His impression was that the non-human intelligence was from a planet in which, quote, its life form is nearing the end of its existence because the essential life essence is almost used up and there is no natural replenishment, close quote. I've heard those words described about something called a tall ancient gray that is supposed to be a progenitor race to many different civilizations and has taken part in what has happened here on Earth. Fully understood that the six to seven foot tall robot machine were unmanned and were controlled by the craft. So maybe the entire uh, operation is AI. Maybe there's no biological components. He says, the controlling intelligence had to resort to, quote, an artificial replenishment of the life essence, which is why they were here on Earth, close quote. A theme that now comes up over and over, not so much back in 79, but the theme of something that is desperate to keep its own life going, harvesting from Earth and other planets to keep going is a much bigger theme today. Now, Foley felt that he received information about the being's need for Earth life specifically, quote, they take blood and vital fluids and brain juices and secretions from some glands of various animals. They apparently need and use this in some way to help replenish their diminishing supply of life essence. They are not concerned about the flesh and they leave it intact, trying to explain ear, eye, tongue, jaw, genitals, rectal tissue, and harvesting of sperm and eggs is associated with animal mutilations. These beings are not concerned about the flesh and they leave it intact. They carefully avoid humans as much as possible in their, har in their harvesting of the fluid substances, close quote. And after going through the Jim Foley section in my book, I came to more about Jim Sparks, an abductee that I knew and all of us knew at conferences uh, back in the 90s. And Jim made a statement about the non-humans that he encountered, and this is a quote from him, and it is in his book as well. Quote, they farm us, they clone us, 
They make organs from us and all kinds of stuff. Close quote. The beings that Jim dealt with are also concerned about what humans are doing to the environment, allegedly because Earth provides a rich harvest of DNA from certain bloodlines across all life forms and that the aliens want to protect and use. Do those bloodlines have anything to do with the complex and confusing Garden of Eden story? Could humans be pawns in a battle among the angels and today we would substitute other dimensional beings? And how and why exactly do energy beings from unseen frequencies and extraterrestrial biological entities from matter worlds interact with each other and with humans? Are there overlapping vested interests of angels, other dimensional beings, the Ebens, the extraterrestrial biological entities, the tall whites, the Nordics, all of the AI, the uh, implacable and mysterious tall praying mantis. Uh, there are other tall beings as well as the small AI. Are there overlapping vested interests of other dimensionals and EBAs in the moments of human deaths and the transition to other dimensional frequencies or heavens? I have probably gotten more mail in the last two months from all of you, some from international, saying, Linda, can you do more about the relationship of the whole soul reincarnation to what could be the big picture with the extraterrestrials? And I think that it is um, a subject that some people have gone into in great depth. But that parallel to me today means <coughs> trying, <coughs> trying to look at other dimensional intelligences that may or may not be in matter form are in other dimensional frequencies and that interact with a whole series of dimensional frequencies in which we are in one particular dimension that we call three dimensions in that frequency. And that the vastness of frequency proliferation and separation is probably where the entire whole huge UFO field is going. Because in the end, I think it is bigger than anything that we have ever comprehended. And that these pieces that I look back in all of my own work and find that some of it is way more relevant today than I ever thought when I was producing these books and the documentaries because of things that people saw and said and we were not educated and had no context and it's getting bigger and bigger. And I'm hoping that what I am trying to share with you is a landscape in which we can communicate about, talk about, animal mutilations without people being afraid. They've been going on for so long. If you look at it as a harvest, as I did my documentary, A Strange Harvest, and then switched up to an alien harvest for glimpses 
volumes one and two, that maybe one of the most important things that we humans can do is to try without blinders on, without being intimidated by government forces or anybody. We need to be able to investigate, ask questions about all of this with its many facets. We are in the process of going to the headline, we're not alone in this universe. It's happening. It's just not happening the way we all thought that it would be a big announcement around the world and headlines everywhere. But the government is sort of slowly taking out this video, this video, this video, this video, and it's a conditioning process. And I'm saying for 44 years, I have been in a multi-conditioning process investigating animal mutilations, which are happening again. They happen in cycles. That is one of the most common aspects. They come in cycles. And where they are in cycles now may, if you started studying everything with maps and latitudes and longitudes, I think that there are grid patterns to the cycles. But I am, I think I am getting past that feeling of when people would say, Linda, aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid to go out into the pastures? And my answer always was not really because there's been no demonstration to me that whatever is going on in the biggest picture is anything beyond what I shared with you from Ed Foley and these pieces from my books. There is some substantial need, and it may be because progenitor races use certain planets that had deep oceans and a certain, we'll say, high and low in temperatures, and have been using certain planets like Earth for 278 million years here to mix and match all kinds of genetic material and make all kinds of life forms and that we're one of them. And I don't personally find there's any problem with doing investigations and sharing with you all from that point of view because we are a conscious creature in a conscious universe with a lot of other consciousness. Some of it is not good, and we should know about it. We should know everything about what is not good. Some of it is like other dimensional high frequency, the high civilization. We should know everything about that and probably try to emulate. And in between are all of these other planets, all kinds of living conditions, and our Earth laboratory is valuable. So I guess now, Ian, what I'd like to do is transition to you in the context that I put this post log on because I don't want people to be upset by reporting about animal mutilations and feel strongly that if people understood this might have 
an intimate relationship to the entire evolutionary process on this planet, to civilizations that may be 2 billion years old, and we're on a 4.6 billion year Earth. That that's part of the reporting, what has motivated me for the last 44 years, and here we are again. The cycles continue. Thank you, Linda. Uh, your audience are with you on this. They agree it's a difficult subject, but it needs to be confronted and it needs to be dealt with. And many people are saying thank you for all your research and everything you've done to bring this forward and keep it in the main uh, uh, headline news in front of us and give us the explanations that we can find and the up-to-date reports. So thank you for that. And thank you and everybody who is listening here tonight and keep evolving is it means so much to know that there is a whole bunch of us, over 200,000 of us, who are able to communicate with each other and nobody is running screaming to the exits. And that the letters that I get from scientists alone make me, give me energy to keep doing this because the scientists say, Linda, you're on absolutely the right track. And we have always been in a challenge. How do we open up all of the truth to this whole planet and do it at once so that the planet does a huge paradigm shift that is really going to be important if we're going to survive as a whole species on this planet? So Ian, back to you for comments, questions, and agape love to everybody. Thank you, Linda. Uh, we've got Crying Red in the uh, chat this evening. Crying Red says, I've heard of cows in Republic Washington from Double K Ranch mutilated. Uh, she said, that, that's what the guy in Republic said. The, they never heard anything. Uh, they were never alerted, nor were the dogs. I've asked um, Crying Red to please give us more information and contact us at Earth Files about these other mutilations that have, that have not yet surfaced to the public. And I Ian, let me... This evening. Yeah, let me just put a point in here. Just look at, think of Chris in Temple, Oklahoma. She said she was no more than 30 feet on the inside of her sewing room to where the zebu was found dead and mutilated. And there was no... No sounds, no screams from the animals. They didn't hear anything. They didn't see anything. 30 feet. And that's where I think those beams come in. The beams can take things out, make them invisible, and put them back. So go ahead. Yeah. So too, Linda, I, I've, I investigated the horse mutilation case in the UK where the horse was mutilated in Wales, right next to the house, exactly the same as the zebu cow. And we know that Chris says the zebu cow, uh, the zebu bull, was mutilated in a 15-minute time frame. That's right. Yeah. So, and, and this is not the only one. I've talked with a rancher up in southwestern uh, Nebraska, and he had, uh, I think it was eight large Angus, and they, one mutilation after another, and he was trying to get drones to go up to see if they could find patterns. He said, 
I just cannot believe that this can be happening on our ranch. We are so careful. The Angus are so valuable. And we don't see anything and we don't hear anything, but we find the dead, mutilated bodies. And I suppose he and I actually talked about this. If you jump over to, well, if we're dealing with extraterrestrials that have been in this universe for billions of years, and they are now at the end of some life cycle rope, then you can sort of say, okay, why can't we make this into a deal? They need certain chemistries. They need whatever they need. We have ranchers who raise these deer animals for earth food. So why can't you extraterrestrials give us gold that we can use on earth or namibium and and we'll have some kind of a barter i've talked about this on the show before but i know that there are ranchers they don't run away from that why can we not do a jump cut into the century we should be in in the universe that is teeming with consciousness and try to take this out of the mysterious and take it into, we are not alone, and there is a lot of use of our planet by a lot of other beings inside our planet, outside our planet, cyclically, everything else, and do collaboration just like corporations do on the Earth between nations. Well, I think that uh, that the ETs will do whatever they will do, whatever, and. You, you mentioned about the artificial intelligence uh, yeah. ETs who are perhaps carrying out this work, uh, and they're probably programmed to do so. You said that they harvested the genetic materials and the sexual organs, and they have been for years, and this is probably what they're programmed to do, and perhaps they, they're doing it from long, uh, maybe even long-gone civilizations themselves, but yet they're seeding the universe and carrying this out, maybe not just on this planet, but on other planets too. Yeah, what other questions and comments do you has risen to the top of your list? We've got a comment from Autumn Wolf, who grew up in southwestern Oklahoma, uh, about an hour from Temple. There were cattle mutilations when I was a kid, but people said they were Satanists. I saw green orbs in the woods too. Uh, we've got some questions lined up here as well, Linda. Yeah. Here's a question from Kevin Spice. Has a cow mutilation ever happened in the snow? footprints, etc. This would also help us with the trackless mutilations. Oh, right from the beginning, 79, 80, 81, 82, in those first years. Uh, yeah, there would be an animal lying on the snow, just like those that uh, have been found lying on dust or sand. Not a single track in the snow around the body. It, it has it has happened so much in so many ways, it's almost as if the extraterrestrials that are doing these harvests, whether you want to call it they play with us or they figure, you know, they need to pay attention. <laughs> that, I mean, it's almost like a game. Uh, let's stump humans. I think so. Uh, Dee Stu says, any toxicology reports on these animals? If so, what are the results? Oh, there have been so many. Uh, remember the, the one that in December uh, with Kansas and the mutilations and Dr. Plattner in the uh, lab, the veterinarian lab, 
And remember that long list? It was about 23, like, like you would be looking at Latin. And even Dr. Plattner said, Linda, we don't know what all those are either, but they are what they break down the chemistries. In this case, it was uh, the uh, animal from uh, the people in Kansas. And, and we were looking for something that could be directly, could directly explain all of the watery blood. Remember that it was uh, the Mr. Loss uh, had, uh, there was a cow, there was one, two, there were several, and they had happened over a couple of years, but it was this uh, last one that when they craned up the mutilated animal at the veterinarian lab in Kansas, gallons, that's what they, the word was used, gallons of what looked like watery, red water came out of that mutilated animal. And Dr. Plattner agreed that this was highly unusual, but there wasn't a single specific list or item on that list of all of the toxicology. Uh, there was one that would be in the category of a blood thinner. And Dr. Plattner and I talked about whether that would explain all of the conversion to water. And it's like when Chris uh, in uh, Temple, Oklahoma, said that she, because she had a nursing background, she wanted to see if there was blood in that animal and opened it up and, and just stuck the hypodermic needle into the heart to see if she could withdraw blood. And she got uh, the, her words were thin, brown, watery substance that was not blood. And then there are the cases that I have I had discussions with sheriffs and deputies uh, and ranchers in which they do a necropsy in the field, fresh, as fresh as they can do it. Open up, the, the necropsy is opening up the animal. There was no surgery into the animal. And that's the missing heart the missing esophagus, missing liver that, that are found on necropsies. What is the cutting instrument? Over and over, all that work for 10 years I did with Dr. John Altshuler, pathologist and hematologist in Denver. He said, this is a, a cutting tool that is heating and causing these changes of cooked collagen and cooked hemoglobin at the excisions and that it's not a laser because the laser will carbonize. And there was another doctor at a hospital in uh, Denver that uh, a whole scene sequence in my uh, documentary, A Strange Harvest, um, he tried an electrocautery, a scalpel, and a laser. And we were talking about excisions that could be 18 inches in diameter. And uh, that doctor, Miller, I think it was, at Rose Medical Center, he said that he was just in the beginning of laser, uh, applying lasers to surgery. And he said, maybe 50 years, and that would have been uh, 79 plus 50. So I'd be like at the end of this decade. He said, maybe in 50 years, we will have the ability to use lasers in some way where we can program by frequency and the, uh, the scalpel 
will be able to go th with light through the skin, through the cartilage, through the bone, through the gallbladder, and get to whatever's the organ on the inside, the pancreas, and do surgery. It'll all be done on machines, and it'll be molecular extraction of tumors, molecular extraction of this problem, that problem. And he said, that's 50 years in the future, Linda. This is 1979. We don't have anything that could do what you have. A do I had a document about uh, a vet finding with a necropsy, no heart inside of a large cow. And he said the only explanation would sound like science fiction. He said, you're talking about a technology that is doing molecular extraction. And they are extracting the frequency of the specific tissue and fluids into beams out. And so there's nothing, there's, there's nothing that has happened. That's how you would open up the animal and find the missing organ or organs. It's a really important point to keep in the context of how advanced what happens to these animals really is. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a good point because that actually does put to bed any stories about this might be, uh, you know, these, these cuts and precision cuts and everything else using ET, high, high, ad, highly advanced technology and not cult Satanists. Oh, um, Susan, that, no, yeah. I have to make a postscript. When I, I had a meeting with uh, three sheriffs, police officer, a detective. I know there were six of us, those five men and me. They uh, called me at the, uh, the TV station. Uh, they had uh, heard about a strange harvest after it was broadcast May 25th in 1980. Uh, they said, we want to uh, provide uh, you, you can, your transportation. We really want you to come. We have a problem with satanic cults in Arizona. And we want to see if what we are finding in the Arizona deaths is like what you have found in the animal mutilations. And of course, I said, no, there's no connection. The first person I went to was a Catholic priest. He said, none of this is like what they deal with satanic cults, but I'll be happy to come. And it was one heck of a meeting. And they had all kinds of photos. I had my documentary. We shared all of this information and then they started, they said, can we show you some tough stuff? I said, yes, not knowing what was going to happen. And they showed me videos that were taken by an undercover agent in some satanic group of what they do. And it was Vomitsville stuff. And they came to one particular scene and it was a man sitting in a chair. I will try to just relate this as, as cleanly as possible. And up above the man in the chair, they had a whole cow carcass. And they had the cow carcass with the mouth down and the rump up. And another individual with a large container with a lot of red fluid in it, yes, blood, pours it through the animal because it had been carved out so it could go from the rump end to the head. And out the cow 
all over the man sitting in the chair. I, I have never seen anything like it before or since. And the sheriffs and the police officer and the detective said, this is what we're dealing with in Arizona. I said, sir, there is no relationship to the animal mutilations that I have investigated and done a strange harvest about. It is the lack of blood, complete lack of blood. It is the lack of tracks, the complete lack of tracks that has been part of the, what, have, what are we dealing with here that law enforcement started running into? And the, I'm trying to compress that when you do a lot of deep research you end up with files that are contradictory, paradoxical, or completely knock this out as a hypothesis. And that day in California with those law enforcement people who were trying to uh, help with some satanic cult in Arizona, that was... Uh, that was a mind-opener, but all it did was reinforce for them and for me. Satanic cults have absolutely nothing to do with worldwide, bloodless, trackless animal mutilations that I've investigated for 44 years. Now, we've gone past, I know I, I would like to have uh, done more, but you all give me feedback. Do you think that this was valuable tonight on this very difficult and complicated subject of animal mutilations at a time where it, we're getting more videos on UFOs? We may be moving toward that breakthrough headline, we're not alone in this universe, never have been. And that the animal mutilations have always been one of the big hangups for officials in the government nobody go there. Well, I did. And I think that if what I shared with you tonight, that there are civilizations that may be old and they may have problems, we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know enough about motives. We don't know enough about agendas to even understand whether something that, uh, is it true or not true? And that's why all of this should be out in the open. And so, Ian, I would like to close out tonight on, on two questions. For those of you who think that tonight is a good way to handle some of the more difficult subjects so that people aren't afraid of them, but that we are educating about some of what appear to be some of the bigger problems that the government and law enforcement just don't want to open up, but will never know the truth on the planet if they don't open them up. And the second thing is, uh, how many of you tonight may have had some association with animal mutilations in a farm or ranch of people that you know that you have, you have actively uh, even in law enforcement or science, you have actively investigated animal mutilations. I would really like to know if there are people in our audience who know a lot about animal mutilations by extraterrestrials.
uh, and I mean that seriously. And uh, the, the third thing, I guess, uh, Ian, is do people who are here tonight, can they give me what they think should be the next subject that I would go in as deeply as I have done on animal mutilation since December? Which subject, what subject would you like to know a lot more about? And on that, Ian, if you have some last comments, I would love to hear them. Well, yes, let us know in the chat tonight. Also, let us know in the comments below tonight's show. Uh, Linda, just before we go as well, I'll give you another question in a moment, but uh, remind everyone about your uh, appearances at the upcoming Contact in yes, the Desert. Yes, I just picked this up realizing. Um, I will be leaving on June 1st to go to Indian Wells in California for Contact in the Desert, which has always been such a wonderful conference to be. And I'll be there from June 2nd until uh, the, my, my the big three-hour, uh, what they call intensive, is on Monday the 5th. But I will be doing three big programs, two panels. Uh, there's going to be an awful lot, uh, both fun and fascinating, at Contact in the Desert. And you can buy tickets for the conference at this website contactinthedesert.com. And if you like this Earth Files YouTube channel and the work I'm trying to do, please tell your friends and let them know that our live Wednesday night shows are also available as podcasts. New episodes are released every Thursday after the live broadcast. And we would love to have more subscribers and more likes if you want to hit those buttons. Uh, it helps us, and I love you all. I wish we were on a planet that w did not feel like everything was so dangerous these days. And somehow, <clears throat> I hope you agree that in being able to talk about the most difficult subjects, maybe in the universe, it makes us stronger. So we never give up. I'll see you next, I think I'll see you next Wednesday. I have to go on that airplane, but uh, I'm going to try to do a brand new show right before I go on the airplane.
Thanks for listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com. 